It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast, so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy. And stay safe. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. And joining me right now is the Northern Ireland Secretary, Brandon Lewis. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. Thank you very much for joining us here at Talk Radio. Lots to talk about. We'll, we'll start with the, the good news uh, first, but there is a lot of bad news around as well. The prospect of the lockdown being eased next week, starting as early as Monday. Boris Johnson addressing the nation on Sunday, but placed in the context that today we are going to see another three weeks of lockdown being formally announced under the emergency legislation. What sort of easing can we look for? forward to? Well, I'm afraid even as you outline this as uh, good news, I'm going to be a bit of a, uh, uh, a downward look on this one in the sense of I think it, we've got cabinet later on this morning where we'll be looking at some of the uh, looking at the advice around what the options are and what we can be doing as we go forward. But I wouldn't want anybody to get their hopes up around there being a big shift in where we are in the next couple of weeks. Uh, the Prime Minister will make an uh, announcement following the decisions we made today. But I think we've got to recognise that we're still not through this virus we are we believe through the the peak of it but we also got to be very cautious that the decisions we made don't suddenly let send us back into an, another second peak we want to look at um, how we can ensure that our economy can continue to move with a, a view on the other side of the virus to be able to flourish and grow again but we've also got to make sure that we uh, have a clear focus on people's health um, and their safety in terms of this virus so um, we've got to take a pretty cautious approach to this, I think. So the, the headline saying, you know, lockdown is going to be eased next week. Happy Monday is the sun. Five steps end of lockdown. First steps to freedom and express. Um, are they getting a little bit ahead of themselves? And, and actually, it's going to be very, very limited indeed. Well, as I say, we will be discussing the um, advice that is put to us at Cabinet today and making some decisions through the course of today. And the Prime Minister will then make an announcement. But I have to say, I think, yes, we, we do need to just be bit cautious about what we think might be happening after the bank holiday weekend um, and recognize the fact that this is a virus that's spreads so fast so easily that we've got to be a bit cautious that we don't suddenly create um, a second wave by releasing these too quickly and, and we've got to take it slowly so that even as we do take some actions as we move forward whatever they may be we do them in a very controlled and a cautious way.
Okay, and obviously we'll be learning a lot from what other countries have been doing. And we know Germany is coming out and France and Italy and others. Um, what lessons uh, do we expect to learn from those other countries which we can apply here? If, if we do see you know, schools going back, say primary schools in, in, in Germany and, and no spike in their, uh, in their figures, will we be then following suit and, and sending our children back? Well, I do. I know that our, you know, the scientists, our experts are talking to their counterparts around the world. There are different countries, different parts of the world, even across Europe, who are moving through this virus at different paces, at different stages of cycles. So we are all to an extent learning from each other. But one of the things I think we're all seeing as well with this virus is in different places, it impacts and spreads in a different pace and a different speed. So we've got to make sure that we are looking at what is right and appropriate for us here in the UK. But yes, absolutely learning some lessons from what we see around the world. And I think that's why we've got to have some caution. Um, you know, we did see some, uh, a week or two back, I think it was, I saw some reports of some things that happened in Germany. Germany then had a bit of an uptick again and had to just ease back. So we've got to make sure that we, we put people's health at the forefront of our mind and therefore you know, we will be exerting some caution to ensure that we do things in a controlled manner. Okay, well, obviously, a lot of people urging caution with the UK death toll topping 30,000 yesterday. I have another 649 people who lost their lives, 649 families grieving. The Office for National Statistics on Tuesday said the death certificates <clears throat> mentioning coronavirus, either people dying of it or with it, uh, over 32,000. Uh, a lot of talk about us having the worst death toll in Europe. Yeah, we know all, We know it's very difficult to make comparisons. We know we probably won't know until the end of the year uh, in terms of excess deaths, which country has done better or worse. But there's no doubt at all we are one of the worst now there may be many reasons for that but those reasons would have been known long before we went into lockdown do you think at the end of all this uh, process when we get through the pandemic when there is an inquiry there will be lessons to learn and that there will be things that the government will admit that that you did get wrong well, no, I think with any, I mean, this is an entirely new virus. And so as you go through this, you are always going to be learning. I mean, at the moment, our experts and scientists are, are learning things around this virus pretty much every day. You know, whether this is the breakthrough in the start of the trials for a vaccine or how this is spreading and where this is spreading, <clears throat> all of that adds to the knowledge that you have. Uh, you, you're quite right. We've got to be a bit cautious about how we compare with other countries in terms of where we are in terms of the cycle, where we are in terms of how we allocate our data and how we assess these things. But actually, regardless of that, it is an utter tragedy to see the figures so high, that sort of loss of life and the impact that has on families and friends um, to the people who have so tragically lost their lives is is, is just dreadful. It's, there's nothing, no other word for it. It's an absolute tragedy. And that's a, a stark reminder, going back to our um, conversation just a few minutes ago, about why we have got to ensure we don't get carried away with how quickly we can go back to what we all think of as normality. Um, the reality is this is a virus that spreads so virulently, so quickly, it can be deadly. Um, we've got to make sure that we take a very cautious okay. approach as we move forward. Well, yesterday, Boris Johnson appeared at his very first Prime Minister's question since the coronavirus uh, hit him. He was first against Sir Keir Starmer, and he expressed his bitter regret over the huge number of deaths we've seen in care homes. Now, yeah, this is happening across, we know, a lot of countries in Europe, not, not in Germany, interestingly, but across many other countries. And we know a lot of this is down to concerns over getting PPE, an ongoing issue. We, all, we heard all about that consignment, didn't we, from Turkey, which uh, was spent ages waiting to arrive in the country. And then it turns out half a million of the gowns delivered are completely useless and can't 
can't be used by the NHS. We also got ongoing issues with testing. Once again, uh, not hitting anything close to 100,000 tests a day since last Thursday. Um, Boris Johnson now promising 200,000 tests a day by the end of this month. Um, we have these ongoing issues with PPE and testing. We know that we are not going to be cutting that death toll massively without the PPE. We're not going to be able to ease out of lockdown without the testing. Why is the government, with the best will in the world, failing on both of these two crucial issues? Well, look, on the te- I'll t- let me take the testing point first, and, I'll, and I will deal with the PPE as well, um, Julia. Look, on the testing, uh, the capacity has remained over 100,000. Obviously, yes, you're quite right. The number of tests taken dropped to 69, just under 69,500 um, yesterday. Um, now, there has been some technical issues at the labs. We are determined and we're confident we can get to 200,000 testing capacity a day by the end of this month. And as we continue to expand the capacity, we can expand the access to these tests. And obviously our focus in the first instance has been around those NHS and frontline staff. Now we have got um, uh, something like 3,000 um, care workers has been referred for testing. Um, so we're looking to expand it. We want to see that demand go up now go back up again as those technical issues have been dealt with. But the capacity has continued to be above demand and has remained at over 100,000. I think that's quite an important uh, point to bear in mind. And with the PPE, look, I mean, you mentioned the um, shipment that came over from Turkey. And I think that's a good example of where our NHS is so determined to ensure that our frontline staff have the best quality equipment. Because when that got here and they saw that it wasn't of the right quality, they've turned it back and said that isn't good enough. We're not going to use it. But we are sourcing PPE, not just from around the world, but from across the UK. Okay, we've got companies in Northern Ireland who have supplied uh, very good quality gowns that have been used in the NHS across the United Kingdom. Um, we are continually seeking to, to make sure we're getting the right PPE of the right quality for our um, staff across the country. And this is something where we are competing with countries around the world with this pandemic. Everybody looking to get the right PPE for their requirements. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. 
That's stamps.com. Code program. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Let's talk to Lucy Yardley. She's Professor of Health Psychology at the University of Bristol. She's also a member of SAGE and she co-authored a report in the British Medical Journal which uh, argues that since most people with COVID-19 are cared for at home, it may be important to try to protect the people caring for them by limiting how much the virus, uh, how much they come into contact with the virus. Uh, Let's uh, speak to Lucy Yardley right now. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, now, um, obviously, as a member of the SAGE committee, you were among those uh, who were advising the government ahead of the lockdown and on the measures of the lockdown and what they should do, when they should do it and how they should do it. Obviously, the government makes the final decision. These things are ultimately, aren't they, a political uh, decision for elected uh, politicians to make. But um, in terms of the prospect of the lockdown being eased, uh, do you welcome that? And what do you expect to hear? Um. Well, as you say, the government takes the final decisions, but there is more and more evidence to suggest that you're very unlikely to catch the virus outside the home if you're just passing people for a few seconds. Uh, The really risky situations are where you spend more time close to somebody, especially indoors. So that's the science, and that's what we've advised, that actually it probably is fairly safe to uh, start to ease restrictions on going about outside as long as people don't go crazy and start sitting too close to each other or having yes. physical contact. And yeah, so still, still, yeah, don't forget the rules that were there in the first place. They, 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 they do serve a purpose. And this is where we, we're expecting to see uh, uh, people being allowed to, you know, have picnics in the park. And, uh, uh, and, 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 and obviously we know that the, the, the biggest expectation briefed out to papers is that you won't be limited to this one hour a day outside the home. You can, as long as you're outside the home exercising, uh, you can, uh, you know, having a family picnic, you can be outside for much longer, which will be welcomed by many families who've been uh, cooped up in homes without gardens, especially with young children. Absolutely. And this is a really important first step to uh, check that we can all do it safely. And if we manage this one safely, um, then we can progress to the the next things that we, we need to be able to do safely as well. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. How quickly would we know? And well, obviously, we're going to be learning lessons about what's happening, say, in Germany, in France, in Italy. A lot of them are easing their lockdowns, bearing in mind a number of these countries, I mean, Spain and, and others, uh, their, their lockdown has been much stricter. I mean, the Spain children weren't allowed out for six weeks at all uh, and uh, and much, much stricter limits. So some, to a certain extent, their lockdown is now is going down to the level of our lockdown currently. But But how soon would we be able to see... Um, that's, that something's going wrong and there is a risk. Will it will it take two weeks for us to know if something is is safe to do or if there is an increase in the R number, the rate of people getting infected? Well, it will take two or three weeks to know for certain if infection rates go up. But to be honest, if uh, we're relaxing the rules on what people do outside, it will be really obvious if people are, uh, are not doing it safely because we'll be able to see evidence of that. And, it, you know, uh, people quite often focus on the odd small group of uh, teenagers yeah. or... few you know, idiots having a barbecue, yeah. Yeah, but that really doesn't matter so much. But if large numbers of people are being really reckless, then that would matter and, and we wouldn't wait to see the infection rates to go up, I'm sure, before we gave advice to... Uh, so, yeah, so if, if we all if we all kind of uh, get a bit too carried away, um, then, then, you know, we'll be back we'll be back indoors. So it's in all of our uh, consciences to to make sure that we, we're sensible. But, but also, crucially, I suppose, um, that, that we 
we, we, that we do do this slowly and surely so we do get more of the freedoms as they come. The next big issue will be getting people back to work. We understand Boris Johnson on Sunday is going to be talking about, you know, people going back to work, you know, construction and issues like that uh, continuing. Although a lot of that has been, I mean, certainly around my way, people, uh, there's still construction work going on. But, um, but where it is still safe for people to go to work, where there could be social distancing for businesses uh, to, to, to restart. Um, now, look, people like me, you can work from home with just some, you know, some equipment on the desk. I'll still be at home. And it's important that people who can work from home remain at home, isn't it? So that we leave public transport and offices and workplaces free for those who can't. But realistically, um, how many people are going to be able to go back to work with social distancing, whether it's a, a factory or, or an office? Well, it, we do expect that to be very, very gradual and very gentle at first. Uh, it, it's unavoidable. So, it, you know, you're right to think that, that there's not going to be a huge change there. And actually, people have already been allowed to go to work uh, and many people have not been going to work that actually were permitted. So we're just expecting uh, a very, very gradual resumption. Yeah, it is going to be very, very slow indeed. And and in terms of sporting events, we know the Bundesliga in uh, in Germany has uh, has come back. A lot of people very well is coming back. Very hopeful. That means that uh, the hoops up for the the Premiership here. I mean, it's going to be a very long time before we can actually have spectators back in sports grounds or at concerts and the like. That's probably going to be, gosh, a year away or so, isn't it? At the least until we get some sort of vaccine. But in terms of say sporting events and other big events going on, but without spectators in the ground, can we get our hopes up for those i really don't know that depends on the organization uh, whether they can come up with a way of doing it safely there are various ways uh if all the uh footballers agreed to leave their families <laughs> and spend <laughs> two months together not seeing anyone else that would be safe but <laughs> i don't know whether they're contemplating that yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the only downside, isn't it? Um, now, now talking in terms of the, the the being a member of Sage, what did you make of Professor Neil Ferguson and uh, his uh, his admittance that uh, we had to resign from the Sage Committee after he basically broke down the lockdown rules that he had encouraged the government to enforce uh, after his uh, uh, work at Imperial College suggested we could have if there was no lockdown five hundred thousand deaths from coronavirus in the UK. He had his married lover visit him in his home at least two occasions. Was it right for him to resign? And do you think the police should be fining him? Well, I don't think it's really for me to be commenting on sort of colleagues' behaviour. Obviously, it is important that we all follow the rules. And, and Neil himself said that that's why he stepped down and that it was a mistake. But the problem is that we're paying too much attention to these kind of individual lapses. Um, and, and we know more and more that the evidence of what is stopping infection rates coming down isn't these small individual lapses, it's that there's not enough being done to prevent infection spreading in very high-risk places where there are vulnerable people living together, such as hospitals and care homes or indeed people's own homes if somebody's ill. Yeah, indeed. But there's a lot of big question marks, though, that uh, about the, the advice that was given to the government. I mean, we're told, you know, the, uh, you know, we should have locked down sooner, but that wasn't the advice the government was getting, we're told. And, and, we, uh, and, and we're, we're, we're told, you know, that there was predictions of these huge number of deaths. That, that a lot of these predictions for other countries, all the mo- computer modelling, it hasn't been borne out uh, by the actual facts on the ground. There's a lot of concern that we've either you know, gone into lockdown too late or gone into a lockdown we didn't need to go into. Um, we could have just said, exercise social distancing and not trashed our economy all based on computer models that aren't actually that accurate what would you say to that 
Um, well, I, I wasn't actually part of the stage at that point in time. I was brought in uh, to talk about how to sort of help us come out of the the restrictions. So, um, yeah, I, I, there were so many uncertainties about coronavirus, and we are learning more about it all the time. So, you know, I, I, I have a lot of sympathy that you know the science can only get better as we learn more about it. And uh, in the early stages, it was very, very difficult to know what to base advice on. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Well, the Bank of England made some predictions today. They're working on a scenario where we see overall for the entire year, bearing in mind we'll be coming out of lockdown, and of course the first couple or well, two and a half months we weren't in lockdown, a 14% fall overall in GDP and ending up with a jobless rate of 8%. So what is it that uh, businesses need to hear? Well, let's talk to John Longworth. He's a former Director General of the British Chambers of Commerce. He's also now Chair of the Independent Business Network. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. Um, obviously, uh, businesses are desperate to get back to work. We know a huge number of businesses. I mean, literally just shut up shop. Um, if you walk along the high street now, you can see the, uh, you know, the, the, the shops selling essential items, the food and, uh, and, uh, and hardware stores perhaps are, are open. But that's pretty much it. The cafes, the, like, the restaurants all closed down. Many factories closed down. We know that people are desperate to get back to work. But um, what do you want to hear from the government? What do you think the people you represent want to hear in terms of when and how this can happen? Well, certainly the Chancellor's got to make it very clear what the plan is uh, economically to to come out of lockdown, as indeed as the Prime Minister. Uh, business needs to be able to plan ahead. Uh, businesses will have to start laying people off uh, because of notice periods within uh, the next few weeks, unless it's made clear that within the next few months they'll actually be operating. They also need to understand how the furlough scheme will work in the future and what proportion of wages people will get. I mean, the furlough scheme was very, was, was well-intentioned, but very badly designed, because what it did was pay people not to work. And what we should have been doing, of course, was pay, supporting businesses to keep people at work, even if it was only part-time or on shifts. Businesses should have been subsidised to keep going, because the important thing is that we actually have an economy to reboot when we come out of lockdown. Yeah. If we don't have an economy to reboot, there won't be any money to pay for our NHS and uh, people will be out of work and it will actually cause more health problems than COVID has itself. In fact, the incremental death rate from COVID above what is normal during this time of the year is actually far less than the headline figures. And the cost for people's health of being forced to stay at home, being forced to stay away from hospitals, and the cost to the economy uh, of a lockdown could be phenomenal. Yeah, and it's these long-term excess tests that lots of people are very concerned about. And again, I think I think the argument has been made repeatedly, and we certainly don't on this show that it's not this is not you know saving lives versus saving the economy. The, these things are two inextricably linked uh, things, and 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 they're both they're both working in the same way. Now, this is the key thing, though, isn't it? So much of what the government is doing in terms of lockdown, it's got to be very tentative. It's got to be very slow. It, we've got to learn the lessons each time, and learn the lessons. Uh, we spoke to Government Minister Brandon Lewis earlier about what's happening in other countries. What have they 
lay down without seeing a spike and therefore what can we do now there was a very lot very big problem with mixed messaging at the beginning of the lockdown um, in terms of uh, those companies that did close down the, the message was you work from home if you can work you can continue to work if you can safely do so we just saw a huge number of businesses uh, shutting up shop uh, six plus million people going on the furlough scheme um, and, and, and we had the likes of Sadiq Khan the London Labour Mayor uh, telling everyone they're not even allowed to travel outside their homes not allowed on public transport if they weren't an essential key worker and the police even stopping people again yeah. not what the legislation said and the government has now admitted look actually we didn't expect so many yeah. people to stay at home we didn't expect anything like the number of people to go on the furlough scheme now we're told that the Rishi Snack is going to try and ease things up on the basis that actually it's untenable to continue spending the sort of money we're looking at for the furlough scheme 80% of people's pay up to two and a half grand a month um, and looking to cut that to 60% weaning people off what some government are calling an addiction to the photo scheme people are being paid not to go to work what's not to like um do you think that, that the government message about you know the risk of leaving your home the risk of going to work do you think that perhaps that's been taken on board almost too much it's worked too well and it's now a, a job for the government to message things differently to tell us it is safe to go back to work as long as certain conditions are met regarding ppe social distancing and the like yeah, absolutely. I mean, a seminal moment in this entire saga was the moment at which Fer- Ferguson uh, came out and said that we'd have between a quarter of a million and half a million deaths if the government continued on the line that it was taking at that particular point in time, which was to try and keep the economy going. I mean, the truth of the matter is, of course, that that figure is highly questionable. Sweden has actually got a death rate of about one quarter of the UK and hasn't locked down at all. It's actually just simply observed social distancing, hand washing, and people staying at home if they are vulnerable or ill. And the economy's kept going. And really, that's what the government set out to do until that moment came when there was a hysteria over the potential number of deaths. You know, this, we may not get a vaccine ever. We may not get a vaccine for a very long time. We're going to have to live with covid it's a nasty disease and nobody wants to get it. But we've got to keep the economy going, otherwise people will not have any money or jobs. And actually paying people not to work, we said at the time was a very serious mistake. The following scheme was ill-conceived. And then on the other side of the equation, of course, the measures taken to support businesses through loans and grants hasn't worked very well, typically as per the financial crisis, the banks have not actually delivered the money in terms of loans. And a lot of businesses would shy away from loans anyway. Why would you take a loan? Why would you put your life on the line to take a loan when you've got absolutely no clarity about when you'd like to be able yeah. to do business again? And a lot of this is down to the problem. So I was very supportive of the photo scheme. I've, I've mentioned this before. I felt almost emotional, you know, watching it and just thinking that, uh, you know, trying to actually keep people's jobs afloat, keep people's business afloat. But I think a lot of people were thinking this was just for a matter of weeks, not a matter of months. Now, we're going to get an address from Boris Johnson on Sunday. Um, he's had that advice from the SAGE uh, a committee of advisers uh, ahead of 
today. Now, today, crucially, this is uh, we, we're uh, six weeks and, uh, and two days into that uh, uh, that lockdown. But there is a legal requirement today. Every three weeks, a legal requirement for review. It's going to be extended. So we're having another three week extension. We're basically looking at, uh, you know, end of March, the whole of April, the whole of May. And let's face it, quite a long way into June, a lot of the lockdown. Many businesses that thought they could manage uh, and, and many uh, uh, employees who thought, well, you know, my job will still be there when I come back. Um, if this carries on much longer, those jobs won't exist and those businesses won't exist anymore, will they? No, that's absolutely correct. And as I was saying a moment ago, there won't be an economy to reboot. You know, the whole objective of the Chancellor's measures should have been to make sure that there was an economy still there when he wants to reboot it. But actually, the way the system worked is forcing businesses out of business so that when we reboot the economy, there won't be businesses there to reboot. You know, the entire tax receipts of the UK depend on the private sector. We mustn't forget that. And if we don't boost the private sector, then we've got real trouble. And if you're sat in Whitehall gaining power and, uh, you know, controlling the economy... Uh, it looks like a jolly good thing, but, but without a private sector, we've got a real problem. And also, I think the other issue is that one of the problems is not many politicians are actually themselves scientists or have any scientific qualifications or knowledge. So when they're assessing the scientific advice, they're not really understanding how science works, the vagaries uh, and the way in which you know they have to actually ask the right questions. Uh, you look at the cabinet and you think, well, now I used to say you could walk into the House of Commons and fire party poppers and not hit a single person who's been in business. Uh, well, <laughs> you can certainly walk into the House of Commons and do that and not hit a single person who's a scientist. Yeah. Uh, so when they're receiving scientific advice, they look at it as a sort of religious... Well, and yet, we know Angela Merkel's got a scientific background. She's highly respected. We know Germany went to lockdown. Look, of course, we know they also done a lot better when it comes to issues like uh, like testing uh, and the like, and indeed on the, their PPE. Um, so, you know, something's gone right there. Can I just ask you just finally about this? There's 14% fall in GDP, jobless rate of 8%. Um, the, also, the Bank of England is also predicting that we will bounce back very quickly. Um, and again, it may take longer for those, those, those jobs to be found. But um, we are not talking about with with any luck keeping everything crossed we're not talking about you know years and years of recession and a structural problem we are talking about a, a pretty strong economy we had a few problems in the early months of this year again lots of lots of uncertainty about brexit uncertainty is always bad for business but otherwise the underlying factors in our economy they're, they're pretty good aren't they should we have a lot of optimism for the future yeah we should at the moment uh, and the, the v-shaped bounce back uh, is entirely possible provided it doesn't go on for too long the government's got to get a grip of this now. Uh, if it goes on for too long, it will become structural because there won't be an economy to reboot. That's the point. Okay. Uh, so we've really got to get that sorted out. And of course, so this knocks Brexit into a cocked hat in terms of disruption. I mean, Brexit's a minor disruption to business by comparison with this. But we do need to actually get out of the transition to be able to implement the things that we need to do in order to actually reboot the economy. We've got to have the freedom to act, state aid, procurement, uh, removing external tariffs, adjusting taxes, all the things that the EU would actually prevent us from doing if we stayed in the transition. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. 
Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.